Authenticity. You kind of know it when you see it. Let's see if you know it when you see it. Authenticity. What do you think? You like that. Authenticity. Tom Brady. How about this? Authenticity. Peyton Manning. Authenticity. Is he going to win the big game today? Authenticity. Colin. Authenticity. He's got the big biceps. Is he going to get there again? Authenticity. Authenticity. She's not going to be able to, to do her, her, her life's passion this year. It's a great disappointment. But authenticity says, I'm going to come back. Is she going to come back? Authenticity. Oprah, media mogul, real person. Authenticity. Master classes. Martin Luther King Jr., authenticity, stood for purpose, stood for hope, stood for a future. His words ring to this day. Authenticity. Juan Pablo. I know what you're watching. Authenticity, is that what it's all about? You just kind of know it when you see it. Pulitzer Prize winning author Richard Ben Kramer signed a a big book deal in 2006 to write the definitive story of one of baseball's greats. The project was titled The Importance of Being Alex, A Life with the Yankees. His opening words were recorded in a recent Sports Illustrated. The first time I met Alex Rodriguez, he was in the fight of his life. He was the guy who was supposed to have everything, good looks, good health, good habits, all the talent in the world, and most of the money. He was the star of the modern age and had what all the other fellows wanted. He was the reigning American League MVP with the guaranteed huge contract, with the richest and most famous team in baseball, with a nickname that was brand name for shoe deals and batting gloves, and who knows what else, with a wife who loved him and took care of his whole life with the killer agent, the blue chip investments, and free cars from his own Mercedes dealership. Not to mention he was the youngest man in history to hit 200 home runs, and 300, and 400, 500 homers. A lock for the Hall of Fame was just a matter of time in 2006. He had just turned 30. He was in his prime, and he was the most miserable man in the game. And he was the most miserable man in the game. It's safe to say A-Rod has a problem with authenticity. You see, it's usually easy to see what inauthentic living is all about. Most of us can describe it before we even see it. The other day, Gail and I went up to Williamsburg to go to the movies with Sophia and Olivia. Sophia, seven, Olivia, five, and we went to see Frozen. I wanted to see Frozen. I thought it would be particularly interesting to see it with a kindergartner and a first grader, pre-kindergartner and a first grader. And so we, we get in there. Let me give you a word to the wise here. 
don't go early to the movies with a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. They can't sit through all the trailers. It's like, when's the movie going to come on? When's the movie going to come on? When's the movie? Is that the last? They're going to do another one. They're going to do another one. They're going to do another one. And so popcorn is spilling. Things are kind of chaotic. We're starting to sing songs. Uh, and so finally, the movie comes on. We're about, we're about 10, 15 minutes into the movie. And Sophia turns to me, grabs my face, looks me in the eye, and she says, the prince is really not good. He's really bad. It's just, it's just so obvious to a seven-year-old what inauthenticity looks like, what it does. What's harder to define is what authentic living looks like. It's hard because it takes a long time to live an authentic life. And most of us don't want to stick around 20 plus years, 50 plus years to do the analysis and the obligatory bar graphs that chart effective living. Authentic lives take time. The other tricky part of this conversation is authentic lives might have some inauthentic moments, some walking a tightrope of God's will moments, some you did that, are you kidding me moments. But in the main, there is something that is always real. There is something that is always gut level honest about the authentic person. So let's talk about authenticity today. Because if you want it, it's a bear you'll have to wrestle with. In her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, Let Go of Who You Think You're Supposed to Be and Embrace Who You Are, Brene Brown quoted E.E. Cummings. E.E. Cummings in 1950 actually wrote an interesting poem called I Thank You God for This Most Amazing. And he he wrote about a a day that was just amazing. E.E. Cummings said, to be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you everybody but yourself means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight and never stop fighting. Psalm 139 gives us a glimpse into how God thinks about authenticity. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In the message, it's put this way. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. God is invested in authentic living. God wants to see authentic living, and the psalmist here knows that God is truly the only one that can lead us into authentic living, into what I always call bringing real faith and real life together. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. John Ortberg wrote in The Me I Want to Be, the one pair of eyes into which you can never gaze is your own. There are parts of yourself you will never see without a mirror, camera, or outside help. So it is with your soul. 
In one sense, you know yourself better than anyone in the world, he says. You alone have access to your inner thoughts, feelings, and judgments. In another way, you know yourself worse than anyone else can know you. For we all rationalize, justify, minimize, forget, and embellish. And we do not even know when we are doing it. There is a me I cannot see. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. Let's, let's move forward a long time, century upon century. Let's, let's move forward to the very end of the first century. There was a book written by the Apostle John. He was in exile on an island. He wrote a book called Revelation. A lot of us never quite get there. It's a daunting book to have to plow through. There's a lot of apocalyptic imagery. There's, there's prophetic pictures and things that are almost too difficult to, to understand or, or figure out. But if you go to the very beginning of the book of Revelation, things are very clear. They get very clear very fast. And there's, there's pictures here of early churches. There's pictures of churches that are struggling in this, what last week I called a crucible. They're struggling in this crucible of authenticity. They're struggling with, should we do this or should we do that? And Jesus can always see through that. He always gets to the very heart of it. And in Revelation chapter 3, he's getting to the heart of what's going on in two of these early first century churches. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, this is Jesus speaking, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So Jesus looks at this early church and he says, you're on the edge. You're on the edge of, of totally blowing it. You are ineffective. You are inauthentic. You're not staying the course. You're not following my lead. You're just going through the motions. You are about to expire, but you have a chance. You can, you can wake up. You can move ahead. You can get done what I need you to get done in the sight of God. And so he's, he's juxtaposing their, their inauthenticity with the possibility that they can still live authentic Christian lives. They can still follow him. But it's, it's dead aim at their hearts. It's, it's right, boom, you are inauthentic at this point. And then he speaks to another church, verses 14 to 22. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Authenticity is so important that Jesus says, I would rather you be authentically cold. I'd rather you be ice 
cold. I'd rather you not follow me. You don't like me. You just want to do life your way. I'd rather that than if you are kind of in the middle somewhere living an inauthentic Christianity, living an inauthentic faith. You see, Jesus is so is so passionate about authentic living. He goes, I want you hot, passionately pursuing everything that we can get done. We can change the world if we're on fire together. We can really get things done. Or I'd rather you be authentically cold. I love the authenticity of that. I'd rather that. But when you get stuck in the middle, you're not doing anybody any good. You're not doing yourself any good. You're not really bringing faith and life together. This is just not working for me, and it's not working for you. Because you say, I am rich, and I've become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. This is a statement of pride versus humility. This is a statement against an attitude that says, I take care of myself. I get things done. Look what I did. I provide everything. I've got it all covered. I've got the plan. Versus saying, God, I trust in you with all my heart, and I don't lean on my own understanding. I, I look to you for everything, and I know that you're going to direct my life. That's what he's, what he's saying. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Somebody gave me a new pair of socks this week. They're really cool. And what's, what's most interesting about these socks, though, is what it says on the bottom. On the bottom of these socks, it says, knowledge, wisdom, and truth. Knowledge, wisdom, and truth. People in the balcony? <laughs> Knowledge, wisdom, and truth. And I don't know why somebody said, we've got to print this on the bottom of our socks. But I think somebody somewhere they had a meeting and they said, it would be good, it would be right if men would stand upon knowledge, wisdom, and truth. We can print that on the bottom of our socks. Then men can stand on that. And so I'm standing before you upon knowledge, wisdom, and truth, except there's only one problem. It doesn't work that way. It depends what your knowledge is. It depends where your wisdom comes from. It depends if the truth is really, really the truth. And that's what Jesus is saying. I am the truth. I'm the way. I'm the life. If you don't come through me, you don't get there. And he says, to those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And I always remind you that repent is two words in Greek. It's the word change and it's the word mind put together. And so he says, look, guys, you got to change your mind about some of this stuff. It's just not working. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. If anyone, if anyone hears me, 
I will come in and we will dine together. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And then as he often does, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are you listening? Are you listening? Do you really, do you really hear this? It was restaurant week this past week. I always like restaurant week, and, and we try to, to find a place or two to, to go out to, maybe a place that we haven't been to for a while. And so we went out with some good friends. It was our friend's birthday, and so it was a combination sort of birthday celebration and going out for restaurant week, and that's a good combination. And we sat at this wonderful table in front of a fireplace, and, and uh, we got there at 7, 7 p.m. And my dinner was six fried shrimp. Now, I can eat six fried shrimp in about three minutes if I'm really focused. If I get a little bit distracted, a minute of shrimp, six minutes. I can be done in six minutes. Why then did it take three hours to dine? Why did it take three hours to have this experience? Because dining is so much more than just the meal. Dining is the laughing. Dining is the wishing of a happy birthday and embracing. Dining is is other people coming by the table that you know and and, and greeting them and talking to them. Dining is reviewing the past year and the the things that are happening in our lives. It, It took us three hours. You know, during that three hours, somebody from, from Spring Branch came over. They saw me there, and they, they came over to say hello, and, uh, and they looked at me, and they looked down, and, and they said, every time I see you, you're eating. I don't appreciate that. Please, don't do that. I'm not always eating. I'm just like you. I eat like several times a day, and, and whenever else I feel like it. So... Um, but, but the whole experience was just incredibly wonderful. The warmth of the fire, the warmth of the relationships. We dined. Otherwise, it just takes me six minutes to do that. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, I want to dine with you. I want to spend time in conversation with you. I want that to be intimate and celebratory and good. I want to spend a lot of time with you. Don't leave me on the outside of your life that that merely looks like it's bringing faith and life together, and it's really just a lukewarm experience of being an American in the 21st century. You see, authentic living and authentic relationships are important to God because he made us to live authentic lives. It all begins with him. And that's what he's saying here to these early churches. That's what the psalmist was was talking about. Now, when you you try to to be authentic, you're going to run into some trouble. Life is going to present you four authenticity blockers, or later we're going to call them bears. And uh, I get this out of... Uh, Secrets You Keep From Yourself, which is a, a book I used last year for one of my messages. It's a really, really great book. A lot of great information about what it means to, to be an authentic person. 
Secrets You Keep From Yourself. And in his book, Dan Newharth identifies four authenticity blockers, misleading, distracting, overreacting, and abandoning. Let me tell you how these work. When you mislead yourself, you rationalize, distort, or overlook crucial information. You may even overlook what is the truth. This is what David did with Bathsheba. This is what was happening in that early first century church at Laodicea. When you distract yourself, a part of you gives over to escapist urges. You shop, you shop too much, you overeat or procrastinate. You may even procrastinate your own maturity. This is what Samson did. This is what the prodigal son did in the parable Jesus told. When you overreact, you become overpowered from within. You may then blow up. You get angry a lot with a lot of different kinds of people. Or you may become paralyzed. You may overreact in a paralysis. Your fears overwhelm you from the inside, and you are just stymied and stuck. This is what Elijah did when he ran away after he got a very disturbing note from Jezebel. When you abandon yourself, your priority is to avoid or escape. This is a move of giving up personal responsibility. You give up making mature decisions and you just hide. You try to fly under the radar. You don't want anybody to really see what's going on. This is what Adam and Eve did by playing the blame game in the garden. This is what Pontius Pilate did when he washed his hands. These then, misleading, distracting, overreacting, abandoning, these then are the bears that you will wrestle with for your authenticity. Let me tell you about the misleading bear. You ignore or forget key lessons from past experience as you are wrestling with this bear who comes at you fast and hard. You only think in black and white terms. You start to make unrealistic expectations of your, of your reality, of who you are and who others are in your circle of influence. You do not factor God's will into your life because you are simply lukewarm and the bear is bringing you down. The distracting bear. You sub gratification and fun time wasters for what really needs to get done, for the most important things that need to get done in your life. You overindulge in shopping, in video games, you're overeating, drinking to anesthetize yourself, to keep yourself from facing what God really wants you to face. And people have told you what he really wants you to face, what you need to face, but you, you let the distracting bear take you down. The overreacting bear. You magnify what is really of little consequence. It's not a big deal, but you make it a big deal. You make everything a big deal. You are living out of impulsive behaviors. Short-term gratification is the way you live. It ignores the long-term effects that these short-term gratifying moments are going to have on your life. And they are eating away at the very foundation of your life. You are a worse case scenario thinker. Oh, it's all going to be bad. It's all going down the tubes. You are threatening to others. You are blowing up. You are holding on to being stuck for all it's worth. And you are angry at God because it's really all his fault, isn't it? The abandoning bear. 
You run from situations and relationships you need to face. You deny your need for support and help. You never ask anybody for help. You are commitment resistant, sometimes commitment phobic, and you blame God. You blame God. God, why did you make it this way? Why did you make me this way? These are the bears you wrestle with. You'll wrestle with authenticity because being totally honest takes letting someone else into your soul. Because being totally honest makes you look at broken parts of your life. Because being totally honest is driven by the engine of humility. Because being totally honest means letting God show you what you really need to look at and change. And everybody around you knows what you need to look at and change. So what's your bear? What's your bear today? Misleading? distracting, overreacting, abandoning. At the end of the day, there are only two choices for how to live. The first one is called survival-based. Survival-based. It's all about fear, fearing you are not enough, fearing God will never be enough. And so out of that fear, you sort of you know, create this little box for your life where if you use the, the parable of Jesus, you build your house, but you build it on sand. It's only a matter of time. But in your fear, you don't want to trust anybody. and You don't want to trust him. And you think maybe you could, you could get through, you could slip through somehow. It doesn't work. It never works. Story after story tell you it doesn't work, but you... You choose survival-based living, and fear is your address. Or you can choose another way to live. You can choose authenticity-based living. And you know in that choice you can't control life. Life is not controllable. But you can have faith in the God who is faithful in all things. You can have faith in a God who loves you so much and just wants you to to be passionate about living out your calling with him that you know that all things will ultimately work together for good because you love him and you know he loves you. So you choose in the middle of a life where you can't control anything, you choose to be real and authentic. And the secret of being authentic is that there's always a bear to wrestle with. It's not wrong to wrestle the bears. It's wrong not to wrestle the bears, and it's wrong to let them win all the time. Last night I went to a a party in a private home, a celebration of retirement for the woman who leads our our usher ministry, Fran Rodenberg. And uh, it, was, it was a wonderful time, and her family was there, children were there, grandchildren were there, lots of her friends were there, and, and, and the house was just full of life and celebration and a, a wonderful, a wonderful moment for everybody that was there. Certainly, I felt it. Just before I left, however, I saw one thing that told the whole story of that moment, and it happened 50 years ago. 
I saw this picture, and I took, I took a picture of it, because this happened next, this coming March, 1964, this coming March is 50 years from that day. There's a picture, isn't it? Two people clueless. <laughs> Two people, they have no idea of what's going to happen in 50 years. No idea. And yet, they somehow know that if they take it one day at a time with a God who loves them, something good's going to come out of it. They're going to have faith and life together. And so 50 years roll by, five decades roll by, and there are ups and downs and in-betweens, and there are children and grandchildren, and then there comes last night when everybody shows up and says, thank you for living an authentic life so that we could see what it really looks like. In a real life, you do a lot of wrestling. In a real life, you have to show up every day and take your licks. But you really wouldn't have it any other way. You only have two other choices. One is to walk away from the God who loves you and do it your way, be your own God. Or to be lukewarm and never understand the depth of the passion that this life brings. Choosing to be real. Choosing to wrestle these bears is the only way to go. And so late last night, after I came back from the party and was finishing up my message, a letter showed up. It was God writing again to you. Dear friends, in the same way I was forthright and clear with the early churches, I will be clear and honest with you. It's the only way I can be. You cannot live a life based on the fears you have. The fear of not having enough or of not being enough only builds walls between us. Irrational fears of me intentionally misleading you or me not being wholly trustworthy are rooted in lies molded long ago by a devious heart. The father of lies would have you believe I am controlling and capricious. He would have you fashion me in your own image, demanding you live a reality propped up by moral ineptitude mixed with the tyranny of immediate pleasure. However, the sum of his temptations endlessly prove hollow upon diligent examination. Resist his scandalous overtures, and he slips quickly out the back door of your mind. For fear is a cheap trick played by lies in a game of half-truths and gloom. While you cannot live on a crumbling foundation of fear, you can engage the authentic life I intended for you by allowing me the honor of daily intimate conversations. Because I am real, I will breathe authenticity into your mind, into your heart. I will love you through your wrestling and struggling with life's constant battering. I will bring light and hope and strength to your relational enigmas. Some early churches pushed me outside of their community life. They thought they could go it alone. They thought they had it all tied down. They postured a form of faith apart from the true power of faith. Hear me, an authentic picture of faithful relationship is the one where I am the vine and you are a branch vitally connected to me. 
It is a seamless attachment. Your real life is the Holy Spirit bringing wisdom and direction to your days, one day after another. All you have to do is open the door to me, morning after morning, to truly begin the next chapter of who you are, not who you're expected to be. Yes, the world will repeatedly slam into your mind in a violent attempt to derail your soul. It tried in vain to slam into me too. I finished my portrait of love with a grand rising. That brilliant light points toward amazement. It's a reality ready to grip your risings, rendering them nimble gifts of grace and courage. So squeeze every drop of authenticity out of every dawn. The power and the glory will forever be mine. Wrestle well. Just remember to open the door. Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, in a moment like this, you are calling us, you are calling us to live a passionate life for you, the only life you know we, we can live, we need to live, the only life you know works. Oh, Father, allow us to eschew living that is lukewarm, Allow us never to, to choose a path of walking away from you. Allow us to rise to the heights of faith and life, living each and every moment of each and every day. Father, take us down into the reality, into the glory, into the authenticity of what it means to be searched and known by you give our lives into your hands again today, Father. Help us in our wrestlings. In Jesus' name.